So everyone, we're about to start the final talk, which is the interview with Viewfinder art lead Sophie Knowles. Sophie, give us a wave. If you weren't sure, that's Sophie. Uh, so if you're interested in what it's like to be a lead, what it's like to uh, have a role in the company, what it's like to do art, freelancing, what it's like to be Sophie, uh, you know, any of these things, this is definitely a talk for you. So come grab a seat, grab a seat. I'm going to start with some real simple questions. Uh, there you go. Cool. So, hi, Sophie. Hey, how's it going? I'm, I'm not so How are you today? You having a good day? Yeah, it's been nice. Yeah, been enjoying, enjoying the expo? Yeah. Cool. No, lots of, lots of good people talking today. Cool. Not me, but <laughs> everyone else has been great. So, yeah, that's fair. Uh, so let's kick off. Uh, can you just uh, introduce yourself, uh, your current role, um, just chat a little bit about what you do sort of day to day, just very briefly. Yeah, so hi everyone, I'm Sophie Knowles. I'm the lead artist at Robot Turtle. We are currently working on Viewfinder. Um, my sort of like job history is a very, a real mix between freelance and then uh, in-house full-time employment stuff. So I've done both sides of things. Um, yeah, I just do art. I, if you categorize me into like what sort of artist I am, I'm a generalist. So I've done an animation on games. I've done modeling, rigging, basically every, every sort of thing within the art umbrella I have done. Uh, entirely in indie games. Well, so this is what I wanted to talk about, because obviously, so now you're sort of in-house with Robert Teddy working on Viewfinder, but you've been involved in the game industry for quite a while. Can you take us through the roles that you've had um, just to get a picture of sort of how you've got to where you are today? Yeah, so I started my career freelancing uh, because no studio would hire me properly, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, everyone's dream is to, you know, just get out of university and get a nice cushy studio job and just, you know, roll on into a great career. Uh, but we all know it's not that easy. So yeah, I freelanced for the first couple of years of my career. It started off very much just like taking you know, all the jobs I could until I was able to fully fund myself doing all game stuff. So I did like some graphic design and other art stuff, which was fun, but not games. Um, so I've done a lot of work. Um, I did work with like the National Film Television School, uh, working with their master's students a lot for a couple of years. I was the animator on the Bradwell Conspiracy. Uh, and what else? Was oh yeah, I was an artist on Off Grid. And all those games, like it, it's working on very different things for each game. Mm. So I found with my freelance career, what was great about it is I get to work on all these games. So many games, I loved it. But every single game requires you to be a slightly different shape to fit in with the team. Like, sometimes it's just animation. Sometimes it's, okay, we need animation, but also like, uh, you know, help with some modeling and stuff. Sometimes it's rigging as well. Like, auto race are always fine, unless it's something very particular. Yeah, I found that my, my second degree was in animation, but through freelancing, I very much developed myself into being a generalist. So, yeah. Is that sort of thing of like, when people say like, oh, I'm making this, can you do X? And I'm like, sure I can. <laughs> I can Google it until, yeah. 
but they still do. It's still this like, hey, sure, I can do that. Currently teaching myself substance designer. I love it. <laughs> but there must be an element of once you get to a kind of level where you've got a basis in a few things, you can start applying those skills to other places. Was there any? Are there any areas that of the? Because obviously you worked in, as I said, generalist in lots of sort of areas that you found had the most kind of transferable skills to other places? Was it just modeling meant you knew it all, or was actually animation gave you the overview? Was there one area that you thought was more key than the others? Um, I think I've definitely now probably done more just sort of like bog standard 3D artist like modeling and texturing stuff, because that's always like, all games need that, unless they're 2D. <laughs> uh, I did work a little bit on the 2D game one, so that was great as well. But um, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's all about finding the software and, you know, becoming very comfortable in that. So I use Maya. I've attempted Blender. I hate it so much. <laughs> I wish I liked it. I cannot. I've tried loads of time, and I'm just like, no. If you if you need me, it's Maya. I'm not gonna. I think with Offgrid, um, because everything was very modular, um, they wanted it so that um, the players can basically add things to the game, like you know, whatever they wanted, yeah, including yeah, yeah. characters and stuff. So I would work in Maya, but then I would make sure that my final steps were done in Blender so, yeah, someone can do all the rigging and everything, you know, similarly to how I was doing it, um, which was enough Blender for me. <laughs> but the modeling was just, just like the same in every, you know, package I did it in Maya. So, especially when you were sort of in, like you said, in so many different roles and, and jumping different things, I imagine that Sometimes, obviously, you're in your you're in your wheelhouse. Things that you you can just do and you know how to do it. But sometimes you're sort of starting from scratch. You're you're learning on the job, as it were. Um, and I imagine over that you've had lots of different feedback from people, comments, criticism. How do you kind of deal with the feedback that you're getting on all these roles, especially when you're coming at it from that kind of freelance contract perspective? Mm. So I've been, I would say, unluckily, pretty much like in in all the things I've worked on, either the only artist or the only animator on the team, uh, which means I don't get to have, like, to steal knowledge from people who are more experienced than me. Okay. Mm. Um, so making sure that I'm, you know, communicating with the other people on the team is always really important, especially as the only artist, if you're working with, like, you know, programmers and designers and, you know, the sort of directors who are, you know, directing the game <laughs> in a certain direction, you need to make sure that what you're making is um, in line with right. what they have in mind, which is really difficult sometimes. <laughs> like the, the whole the sort of yeah, feedback loop and things can be a bit pulling teeth, not because I don't take criticism well, I think I do. It's more, sometimes you're working with people and I've had this especially with like really like amazingly intelligent like technical people who I think they 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 think that to talk about art you need an art degree. Ah right. And yeah. you don't. You can just say, this picture is pretty because of the colours, but I don't like what's in it. Yeah. You know? I think um, yeah, like I I yeah, went to art school. Uh, I don't know any of the fancy terms. <laughs> so I think uh, I found what's really key. And I was being remote for pretty much for 
the majority of my roles, I've done it remotely. Um, but the key thing I've always found is you gotta, you gotta sit in a call and talk stuff through. If you're doing it just like on Slack or whatever, things get missed and you can't have that nice flowing conversation. So, yeah, I would absolutely, if anyone is you know, in the same boat, just you know, have sessions to talk through everything with whoever is you know, the director of the game. Sounds a lot like uh, you're taught when you're looking for feedback for games in general, like when you give it to the public, that what they say and what that means are not necessarily the same thing. And you have to kind of try and translate in your own head, like if they say, oh, uh, this game is really slow, is that because they're a person who only plays fast FPS games? And if that's the case, is it slow because it's slow or is it slow to them? And it sounds like it's a similar kind of they're trying to express a feeling or an emotion, and it's trying to translate that something you can technically then change. Exactly, like everyone has their own way of um, explaining things, and as like an artist, you need to figure out how to yeah, interpret that to then be able to do stuff. Another problem I've had with places is them not giving me any feedback, just being like, yeah, that's good enough. And I think <laughs> what they think is like, oh, you know, it's fine, you know, she's just gonna crack on and like, you know, but I'm just like, oh, is it good enough? Or do they not wanna tell me my work's terrible? Or, you know, okay, well, I guess if that's good enough, I'll just keep making stuff like this. And, you, and I end up being lazy if, if I don't get any like, yeah. you know, prods. You need people telling, being honest, basically, and exactly. saying what like, it is. Like, you know, it's, it's impossible to get better at anything unless you get feedback from people. So bouncing off that, especially with that feedback point, when you are part of teams, freelancing or otherwise, do you find that you get to be particularly creative and coming up with your own ideas? Um, you know, where do you find that, or, or is it somewhere else where you kind of find that your usefulness to a, as like a team mm. comes from? Does it come from you being the creative input? Does it come from you being somebody who can deliver on their ideas? Where do you find it lies? Yeah, like um, when you're, especially in indie games, in small teams, you need to have like a good amount of like being able to be self-directed, to be able to just like kind of like take stuff and just like work on it. But you need to know when when is the right time to to bug people. I'm personally, after years of being an artist, realized I'm not that creative. I you know I'm not <laughs> you know good at just like coming up with stuff. I need to you know get the reference, get the concept art. It doesn't have to be like, you know, hugely lovely Polish concept art. I've had just like, you know, scribbles before and worked off that. But yeah, I'm happy not being, yeah, a very artsy artist. What I really try, especially being a generalist, is being a very useful artist. Mm. So one of the things that I was terrified of early in my career was implementing things in Unity or Unreal because yep. I just, yeah, it scared me. That's scary. Especially like animation stuff and <laughs> it's like, actually like, what the hell does this mean? You know, and that's definitely like something I say to, to any artist starting out, like doesn't matter if you're a generalist or a modeler or an animator, you need to know a bit of how to implement. Yeah. Because if you leave it to someone else to implement, they're gonna do it wrong. They're always gonna do it wrong. Yeah. And, and it's not, you know, it's <laughs> And yeah, coming from the, the, so I'm a programmer, coming from the Unity side, 
um, you know, an artist who can come to me and guide me a bit in, even if they can't implement themselves, but can at least guide me in how they want to implement it or what, you know, what their idea was or how it's expected to move or can look at it and be like, that character's the wrong way around. Stuff like that is extremely useful to getting to the final product faster. So yeah, I can totally understand that kind of implementation. Bouncing off the point of sort of usefulness and creative input, obviously, when you're, we were a freelancer, I imagine that was a bit more limited, but obviously in-house, it sort of changes the picture a little bit. So what was it, based on that then, then what was it that made you, because obviously you're in-house now, what was it that sort of convinced you or guided you on making that jump from being a freelancer and having that kind of freedom, but with its limitations, to being in-house and being sort of more guided by what they suggested? I, well, I never wanted to be freelance forever, but I kind of like, kind of, got the sort of ball rolling and, and I managed to get lots of jobs. And there was a point where I had done the thing you're not supposed to do of take on way too many jobs. <laughs> and I was in the middle of having way too many jobs on the go. And then one of the jobs had to get postponed for a month, but then the deadline for that job didn't change. So there was this period when I was yeah working every day, every evening, every weekend. I had some other stuff on the go as well, and I got close to, to burning out. And that's when I realized, okay, I just need to take a step back. And for the first time in a while, I started looking for yeah, full-time jobs. At the time, I was freelancing for Playdio, and I really liked the team. I really liked what we were working on. And I'd done that thing of, like, they'd brought me on for animation, but I'd been like, oh, you need some... <laughs> you need some costumes for this little other guy. I, I can do it. So I was doing more and more and more. Um, and then I was like to the team, like, well, you know, I'm, I'm looking for other work. So you need to make sure that I've, you know, done everything before I leave. And they were like, ah, yeah. oh, shit, Sophie's leaving. So, yeah, so they, they offered me a job and I said yes. Cause like <laughs> There's definitely actually an interesting part there about it's almost networking after you've networked. Like, once you've joined, it, just as you've got the contract, you join a team, that's not the end of it. That's not like, I'll do that and leave. It's about being involved and being a part of the team. Because if they, you know, if, if they feel like you're part of the team, they're more likely to go, oh, well, here's this and here's that and, and that kind of thing. And yeah. like you said, it turned into a full-time role for exactly. you. Exactly. With freelancing especially, I think becoming more useful than they, than is anticipated really helps, not just like, you know, in that particular job, but also, um, you know, them keeping you in mind if they need someone again. <laughs> so now that you've been in-house for a little while, um, obviously different companies, but there we are, and but obviously you spent quite a while doing freelancing. From your perspective, what are the kind of the biggest differences between the two? I know a lot of freelancers do the, you know, they they you know, have a timer and they work a couple of hours on, on various things. I was always like, um, have set days for clients. Yeah. Especially so, you know, everyone's on Slack at the same time. So I can, you know, bug people when I need to bug them. So in terms of like day to day, it wasn't too different apart from mostly being remote. But I think there's definitely, when you're, when you're full time, you're sort of more in the huddle. I think when you're in the small teams, you get to naturally have more of an effect on the final product. Mm -hmm. But when you're in-house, you get that little bit more of, you know, yeah, you're one of us sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But I never had like, it was never a huge difference for me. Okay. So, obviously you're, you're in-house now. 
do you remember your first interview for going in-house? Especially mm. coming off the back of what you had been doing. I imagine that was quite a weird experience and I have to explain, you know, why you'd been free why you were moving. What was that like, that kind of first interview? My first interview for a studio job was just out of university. I did the thing that everyone does. You apply to everything under the sun and you get rejected from everything, but you keep applying, applying, applying. And I applied for a job at a really big studio that everyone's heard of, that yeah. I won't say because, yeah. Um, and it was the first time I'd ever gone through, like, I didn't get an automatic rejection or just, you know, heard nothing back. I actually got through the second round. Yeah. And then I got through to the third round, the interview round. It's like, you know, here it is. Here's my in into the, into the industry. And I go to the interview and this wasn't for an art job per se. It was kind of for like a studio assistancy role where you're working with animators. So not, not, yeah. And at this interview, I am absolutely bigging up everything I've ever done in my life. <laughs> you have to. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So when I was yeah, doing my master's, I got to direct a short for um, the London Transport Museum that's being shown for a year there, blah, 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 blah. And really trying to be like, yeah, you know, I do all this stuff. And there's this point where I'm bigging myself up that one of the interviewers has his clipboard, put his clipboard in his lap, and just looks at me and goes, yeah, I think you're too creative for this role. <laughs> just like. So obviously I didn't get it. And it's that real frustration of like, I'm not good enough for any other role and I'm too good for this one. Like I would have taken it, like absolutely, I would have done fine. Um, but that's when I was able to start freelancing and that was just before I joined BAFTA crew and met you, in fact. So, yeah, my life could have been very different if I got that job. Yeah. But it's pretty good how it's turned out. But freelancing, bit of a struggle, but not, yeah. But I work on cool stuff. Okay. Well, so obviously moving from freelancing, uh, so obviously Viewfinder currently blowing up all of our timelines with wonderful gifts and, and such and such. Um, has the fact that this has been a really popular game already, just people, you know, it's got a, a hype to it, that kind of, has that changed how you approach the role compared to something that's, you know, in the prototype stage or no one's heard of it yet or anything like that? I think it's definitely, there's a lot of pressure because, yeah, obviously a lot of people have seen this game, a lot of people are very excited for the game and it's different working for a game that's been, yeah, announced. So, yeah, there's this pressure of when we're able to show the game, it has to, yeah, be up to people's expectations. Mm. And I hope, and it will. It'll be amazing. Um, but yeah, it's intimidating. But also, like, it's so cool to be like, oh yeah, I'm working on Viewfinder. And people are like, oh, <gasps> <laughs> that, that game? game? Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. There's like a, it's, it's good, but also nerve-wracking, because I don't want the internet to be mean to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, it must, I, can, I can imagine there's a sense of, especially coming into it when, you know, when you're there from the start and the hype's building with you, you feel like a sense of 
ownership to start with, whereas obviously this had a name before, mm. and so you feel a sense of responsibility about keeping it on its course, which is yeah. very different to... There is a thing of like, I'll show people the game who haven't heard of it, and they're like, oh, cool, the art and that looks really good, well done. I'm like, oh, that was all done before, <laughs> I, before I came. I'm on it now, to, on, yeah, I'll show I you my stuff yeah, later. Yeah, that's none of mine, but sure, I'll take all the credit, that's fine. Well, I mean, not taking the credit, there's several points of the but in terms of joining the role, because obviously previously where you've been an artist, as, as demonstrated by the big words up there, you're the art lead here. Yeah. So how does being the lead and stuff change uh, things in, re in respect of it? How does it uh, affect stuff? Yeah, so I think there's sort of that, you know, you, you have your career and there comes to a point where you can kind of become like a senior or a lead. That happens in a lot of places. I'm definitely, because I'm a, a generalist, I'm not amazing at anything. I'm like pretty proficient at everything, which makes it good for a lead because, you know, I understand the pipelines. I understand game engines pretty well. So having that general knowledge of stuff is good because, yeah, being a lead, you have to be a bit of a producer. You have to, you know, be able to figure out, you know, what other people need to be doing rather than, you know, just doing, doing the art. Which I'm currently doing a lot of art as well, which is great. So, taking a more of a sort of a, uh, if we can go top down on your life real quick. Um, so, you obviously you've been freelance, you've been small indie and big indie. We talked about the differences between freelance and in-house, but obviously the, there's almost a spectrum there of different kind of roles. Uh, and even a bit of teaching and, and that kind of stuff as well. What are the, the sort of the fundamental differences between all of them? So, especially like, where you've seen it scale from small to indie to big indie as well as changing from freelance as well? Honestly, not as big a difference as people would imagine. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, because I've never worked on anything with giant teams. And I think it's when it's the size of the team is what can change how feeling on something is like. I think what's really nice about India, especially, is kind of having a bit more ownership of things. Um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, okay. yeah. I've not found a huge amount of difference. But okay. I've never worked on anything giant, and I've never worked on AAA. I don't know if I ever want to. From what you hear about working in AAA. Yeah. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah. I'll, I'll If you ever do, I'll come back to you and expand that part of the question. <laughs> well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Obviously, from a, from a tools perspective, uh, obviously everyone here will know, you know, the standard Maya and Substance Paint and that kind of thing. Is there any, and obviously not Blender, any tools that you like <laughs> that are uh, maybe lesser known or ones that are just so fundamental to how you work that it's worth highlighting them mm. to, to people here? One of my, I would say, most used cheats is Mixamo. Mm. Mixmo mm -hmm. is yep. fantastic for just throwing animation, especially walk cycles, into a game engine. Um, I still have the plugin, but there's this great Maya plugin where you can get the animations into Maya, you can tweak them a bit. So, like, you know, if there's a pickup animation that isn't quite like going you know, deep enough or anything for a character, you can tweak it. Um, yeah, really useful tool for just getting stuff done quickly, because especially animation is time consuming. So Mixmo is definitely a, yeah, get 
get stuff done because I can't be asked to, you know, animate a walk cycle for everyone. It gets you there real quick. Especially yeah. the basics. Yeah, we use Mixmo a lot. It's definitely a fantastic tool. Yeah, I don't think about. I've ever worked on a game that has animation that hasn't used Mixmo <laughs> at some point, even if it's just in the, the prototyping phase. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so for everyone kind of here, you know, people coming out of education, just sort of figuring out what should, is the first thing they should really be looking at um, just starting out now, what, what would you recommend? Yeah. I think being flexible, like, you know, there's a lot of studios out there that do just need people for a couple of days, short-term work, you know, because, like me, I wanted a full-time thing, but that didn't happen. But I think, you know, it's always, it always comes back to networking is really key. Um, yeah. <laughs> networking, things like, yeah, um, BAFTA crew is all right. It's not been great during the pandemic, but hopefully it'll be better when events can happen. Um, I did Limit Break this year. I was a mentor and a mentee. My mentor was absolutely fantastic and really helped me to kind of figure out the move to lead artist. Um, my mentee is also great. Like, she's a way better animator than me, but we've still <laughs> been able to have like really good talks about the industry and stuff. So those sort of, um, you know, those things. And when you're networking um, at any level, but I would say especially when you're out of uni or sort of like early in your career, the, the key thing is to network sideways. Yes. So when you're at a place with lots of people, don't just be like, oh, I'm going to talk to that big indie name person and they're going to give me a job. It's like so much better to get to know people kind of like at your level, you know, raise each other up as you, you know, go through the industry. That's how you, yeah, yeah effectively network in the long term. Yeah, you do not know where your next role or client or job or anything is, or best friend is coming from, and just, you know, going for the top is, is, is putting yourself in a worse position at the end of the day. Um, and yeah, I, I double down on all of those. Uh, mentoring groups, especially, uh, if you're looking for work, obviously there's, there's workforindies.com, there's the Opportunities channel in the Game Dev London Discord, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, and just being involved in all, those, in all the places where people are gathering is, is, is kind of key. Uh, I have more questions, but I do, I'm conscious of time, so I wanted to throw it out. So if anyone has got any questions for Sophie, feel free to chuck a hand up. Uh, if not, I'll go now, we've got one over there. No one yet? No. Oh, yeah, no. I want a bit. Hey, uh, just to expand on Adam's question about tools, are there any tools that you use, not for art, but for sort of coordinating within the team and managing workflows and things like that? Yeah, one thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, at Playview especially, one of the best things that I had never utilized in any of my previous jobs was getting the programmers on the team to make tools for me, which was so wonderful. Because um, it would be very much like, you know, I'm doing loads of clicks. One of the guys can make me a thing in literally half an hour where I don't do all the clicks. I think pretty much, I don't know, you say most programmers are, who know Unity probably can help Yes, yeah. with that sort of thing. If you've got oh. uh, programmers who are prog programmers who are programmers, so they've studied programming languages first, mm. then being able to build stuff. Is well. And to be fair, programmers in any space, like um, if you can say to them, I, you know, this is taking me time. This is taking me 
every time I do this, it takes me 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half, whatever it is, and explain it to them. If they can come up with a solution, they will, they will implement it, and it will save you time. Have there been any specific instances you can think of that, you, that you're allowed to say, of course? Um, um, where yeah, in Play-Doh, we had loads of, loads of tools um, that were done by, the, by our coders, who were really great, because two out of the three of them were just really, like, they liked making tools, so it was fantastic. And it would be great to sit and talk with them exactly what I wanted out of the, yeah. the tools and things. So, yeah, like we, we did, yeah, we could play there. We did loads of weird stuff with cameras. So a lot of it had to be bespoke. Um, but it was really nice to sit down with them and not just like be given the tools and have to deal with it, but also be like, ah, this one doesn't quite work how I want because the pivot's always at a random point. Can I make sure I know where the pivot is for things? Yeah, but again, it's better to just be open and, and ask, is this possible, can this be done, et cetera, because if they can, they just want to help you make it easier for you, yeah. and then by extension, better for the game. Exactly, so, yeah. and I think it's, you know, it's always good for other people in the team to know how your workflow is yeah. as well, because it, you know, it, help, it helps everyone if we, everyone knows a little bit of everything. More transparent, mm. perfect. Yeah. Cool. Yep. cool, anyone else? Any other questions? Yep, perfect. Hey, Joe here. Uh, I'm another games generalist as well, so I kind of understand some of the stuff you're saying with the uh, the creativeness and like not necessarily being that as your main role. Um, one of the things I have is a lot of my stuff is more like implementing things into Unity, like you. So. It, do you find that your role is more specifically towards like in between uh, tech art and art and more implementation rather than actually creating stuff? 100%, yeah. If I could do my career again, I would have wanted to be a tech artist who you know, actually knows how to code. Every time I've tried, I fail terribly. But yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, it's definitely a generalist thing of, and yeah, an implementation thing of being comfortable in Unity. That's one of the reasons why I've got the job with Viewfinder is I was very upfront and said like, you know, I will make sure that things work inside Unity. So I think, yeah, really being able to not, you know, do any of the real techie like coding stuff, but yeah, being comfortable enough in, in engine is so useful. But it is hard to show on like a portfolio as well. So yeah, it becomes one of those things of, oh, I promise I'm good at this thing. <laughs> Can you hear me? Oh, uh, yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Like uh, on portfolios and uh, looking for jobs, you can't really say, oh, I'm an implementation artist or that that's like one of my key skills because I feel like a lot of jobs, if it's AAA, they, they expect you to just to be a 3D artist or animator or whatever, and then the tech artist would do all that stuff. But then there's not really like an in-between position. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, and that's where yeah, we come in as, as generalists. And I think, yeah, there's definitely not, yeah, there needs to be a word for, for implementers. It sounds like we just drag and drop things though, doesn't it? world builder or world creator or something, I don't know. We drag draw, we make sure things look nice actually with the lighting, yeah. So I would just add to that, so coming from the hiring perspective, so obviously so I run an indie studio, if you can, if I was looking for a 3D artist and I looked on 
uh, a CV on your examples and your portfolio and your application, and it said, has experience of implementing these things, or you know, I've done this level of implementation, or I've imported stuff into Unity and got it working, whatever it is, that is, a, from an indie perspective, a really big sell. Um, because either because it saves me time from having to do that, which I've got to focus on the programming, or just because I have more faith in your understanding of the engine and the limitations or what it may be. Um, so yeah, you're probably right from a AAA, they just need someone for a very specific role, but certainly indie and probably up to mid-tier, including that whether it be uh, in your portfolio example work, just stating, oh, and on this project I did this, uh, or in your application, or in your interview, uh, can be a really big hidden seller um, if you've got that skill set, for sure. Okay, thank you for your time. And do you find it looks amazing, by the way? It's gonna be good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyone else, any other questions? If not, I've got questions, <laughs> so it's fine. Cool. Um, yeah, so one of the things I did want to ask, because uh, we didn't get to it, do you have any, so you talked about if you could do it all again, you'd probably dive more into sort of the tech side of things. Do you have from your sort of, particularly say your freelance, any, any of your times, particularly your freelance times where it took up a large period, that you particularly regret any elements of that that you think, oh, if I could go back and change that, I would. Yeah, I definitely would have, yeah, started actually implementing my own stuff earlier. I feel especially bad when I was originally working with NFTS students because I would just throw them FBXs with animation in them and hope that they work. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was straight out of uni to then work at a uni. But my main, my main regret w when I was freelancing is the dreaded um, how much you get paid mm -hmm. and asking for money and mm -hmm. all of that. I think there's a, there's a, a lot of indie doesn't pay well. Mm. And I also had the issue of because I was networking, making friends and everything, there was always the mates rate sort of thing yeah. as well. Um, so I was definitely underpaid for the majority of my freelance career. Mm -hmm. And then because of that, I was taking on way too much work, almost burnt out, yeah. Chatting money is really, really difficult, especially yeah, when it's sort of people you're, you're friendly with. But I think what's really key, if anyone is you know, freelance or thinking of freelancing, is really figure out like, what is the minimum that you can comfortably live off? Like proper comfortably, like, you know, not just like pay rent and food, but pay rent, food, going out to nice places to eat and, you know, savings and stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And never going below that. Always going above it, always asking above it, but knowing where the, the cutoff yeah. is. Because when you, because yeah, I was always like, oh, this game looks amazing. I really want to work on it. I'll do it for cheap. It's, there was a freelance rate calculator out there. Uh, we'll put the link somewhere um, so that you can find it, but it helps you. You basically put in all of your numbers, your bills, your pay, your tax, all this kind of thing, and it spits out not only a rate that you should charge, but if they need it tomorrow, what should you charge? If you don't like the person, what should you charge? All these kind of numbers to help you sort of generate it. And I also think what's important, and this is true for rates, salaries, ever, talk to the people around you 
ask those questions, have conversations, you know, what are you charging? Because people kind of want to be cagey and like, oh, I don't want to tell you. But that only favors the companies who are then hiring you. It doesn't favor you. It's better to understand the lay of the market and be more competitive about it than it is to try and hide away from that. So definitely just go up to people that you know, ask them, what, what do you charge? What did you charge? I know that uh, for BetaJester, our very first rate was based on the rate that we had some friends that they charged. Um, and now I know that was a good rate, which is great. Um, and we've just slowly increased it over time to match our skill level. But yeah, do not be afraid to just ask people um, who, are, who are freelancers what their, you know, what their rate is. Because if you ask the company what they should pay you, if you get a good company, they'll be honest. You get a bad company, they will shortchange you for sure. Uh, and you definitely don't want to be in that position. Yeah. I was really lucky when I was moving from freelance um, to full-time with Playdio. It was when one of the first like anonymous salary spreadsheets was you know, had just come out and was being updated. So, you know, all the numbers of that were really accurate at the time. If it wasn't for that, I'm sure I would have asked for something way lower. So that was great. I think there's still, there's still the odd salary spreadsheet thing that goes around. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of them are like a bit Western, uh, a bit American focused. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they're really good. And yeah, I, you know, it'd be nice if, if talking money wasn't as scary and awkward as it is. But yeah. It's, it's definitely one to ask people. Have we got any questions? Anyone thought of any in that time? No? Cool, that's fine. Um, so in terms of you then, obviously this is, a, this is a big kind of question. And you, you know, you've got Viewfinder and Art Lead and that's something great. Have you got any sort of aspirations in terms of what you would want to do in the future? Obviously you want the game to go very well and to be super successful. Are there things that are on your mind that I would like it, you know, you said like, you're not, not sure about AAA, but are there any area that you would like to go, like, you know, taking a game from the beginning up or creating your own games? Is there anywhere that you want to go? Yeah, I'm really not sure. I really like what my trajectory has been. It's felt very natural. Um, and now I'm moving into sort of, yeah, being a lead, managing people, that sort of thing, which I've not done before, but I'm hopefully going to be a good manager. I don't know, I might be an asshole. Well, I'll have to <laughs> ask the people under me. But yeah, that felt like a very natural step for me. Yeah. No, I've been thinking about it as well. Like, would I ever want to be an art director? Probably not, because that means I'd have to do lots of arty stuff that I'm not very good at, or just hire really good concept artists. I don't know. But would you want? You talked about wanting to go back and do the texting. Would you take if you had the time and the space and the money to? Would you go and do like learn more about? programming or Unity or take the time to go and learn those kind of things? Yeah, no, if, I, if I could just yeah, take some time out and study, I would absolutely yeah, learn more of that side of art. Like, yeah, the techie stuff, shaders. I got to do a lot of experimentation with um, procedural rigging at Playdier because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, Abo, our main character, was a really amazing mix of, um, yeah, half procedural, half like normal author animation. Yeah. So his little run cycle was very cute. And yeah, so I'd often <laughs> like, when my work at Playdio was a bit slow, just sort of look into his rig and pull it apart and see if I could get it to work. Just. Learn it from that way. That's very cool. Yeah, and there's a lot of that kind of technology is coming through now. There are procedurally animated modeling systems, like there's a, a Cascadur, if you come across that, which is like based on AI and guessing where things should be. and yeah, there's a lot of this stuff kind of coming, so I imagine it's hard to sort of stay up to and ahead of the curve as all these new tools and techniques come out that are like, oh, we can do it 10 times faster or whatever it might be. Yeah, no, I love, I love learning new stuff, which is 
maybe it's not a great thing because it does mean that I'm not developing things I should develop. But <laughs> yeah, I get, I'm distracted very easily. Interesting question. Where so in terms of in terms of uh, art and things, where do you go to find what's coming next? You know, because there's always new techniques, new opportunities, you know, new ways of developing things. How do you stay ahead of that, or do you just kind of let it come to you and as as you as you hear about it? Um, I think I'm always amazed by the you know some of the people who are just like making stuff and putting it on YouTube and tutorials and stuff. I love following those things. Yeah, looking at our sessions. What I'd love to do, is, especially for modeling reference, is just go on Sketchfab and look really closely at people's models there. Because, yeah, some of the stuff there is really great. And especially, yeah, kind of like early on in my career to have like some really good reference of like how topology should work. Like, that's all just there that you can kind of like, not like copy directly, but like shoulder topology. It's really difficult sometimes to not get like n-gons and too many triangles and stuff because shoulders are really weird things. So being able to be like, okay, yeah, let's go on to yeah, Sketchfab or wherever and see how other people have done it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do a quick question check. Anyone thought of anything? No, that's fine. Uh, in terms of then, obviously, talk about references and that kind of thing. Are there any particular artists or studios or games that you use? more often than not as references for when you're creating your own things or, or ones that you aspire to in terms of to get to that level of whether it's visual quality or performance or uh, just smart design? I think every game has like a little, a little something to offer. I think, you know, it's, it's easy to forget to play games when you're making games all the time. You're like, oh, I want to do something that's not on my computer. But yeah, I think having a couple of games that, I don't know, like, were, it used to be my favorite game to try and like copy was The Wolf Among Us, because I ah, okay, love yeah. that one. So yeah, when I was doing my masters, I tried to make my final animation to be very like, yeah, tune rendery, that sort of thing. Now I'm not sure what like my, my go-tos would be. It definitely changes, but I think, yeah. It's the same as like looking at things really closely on Sketchfab is when you're in a game, you know, looking at things really closely or like observing things like you would make them. So like how characters are moving. And then you see like when people's feet are slipping and stuff, it's like, mm, well, that's not quite good, is it? Or yeah, or finding like those little bits where the meshes are broken or the Z fighting <laughs> and stuff. But yeah, I remember once I was at EGX and I was playing a demo and I can't remember what the game was, but it was one of those games where if you step back, like everything's kind of flat, but if you look closely, like I was looking at this rock and it had loads of like little bits of purple in it. And one of the devs came over and was like, are you, are you okay? Are you lost? And I'm like, it's a, it's a pretty rock. Yeah, that's my approach to playing games. <laughs> and I think we've about time for one, one more question from me, uh, which is the dreaded question. What is your favorite game? <gasps> I don't know anymore. Like, I, it's very much like I, I grew up not playing games, but for some reason, we always had like Half-Life. And so that used to always be my answer. And that used to be what I wanted to try and make. I 
wanted to work on AAA making the sort of games I play. Now I don't know what it is in terms of, yeah, that sort of thing. Maybe it'll be Viewfinder. There you go. This is going to be a good go. game. It's going to be a good game. Uh, so, thank you very much, Sophie. Where, if people wanted to hear more, you know, see what you're doing, stay up to date, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I tweet very lukewarm takes occasionally. Uh, I'm at S-E-R Knowles. Straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, that's fantastic. Great. Thank you very much, Sophie.